Time now for News Talk WANI Sports. Brought to you by Top Hat Chimney Sweeps. If you have a chimney, make sure it's inspected by the best. Top Hat Chimney Sweeps of Auburn. With 20 years of experience, they are the pros. Double D Mondays is what we're doing with Daryl Daprich on the WANI Hotline. Good morning, Daryl. How are you, sir? Good, man. I'm, I'm good. It's glad, good to be back talking to you after a little one-week hiatus there, so I'm excited to jump right in, brother. Oh, oh, you're just happy that I didn't text you or call you while you were on vacation, because I almost made that mistake. That's okay. I, I think it's a time that <laughs> if you would have called me last week, I'd have been sitting uh, at a train station. So oh, okay. <laughs> so, so at least you wouldn't have been asleep. So that, that, that's, no, that, no. That's, that's where I Everybody's- always... I always feel bad when I wake somebody up. I do that to Bill all the time. Bill will tell me, he's like, hey, I can't come on on Thursday because I've got this going on. I'm like, okay. And I end up calling him. He's like, hello. I'm like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay, man, I understand. I understand how that works. Yeah, I I should probably text you and say, hey, give you a reminder over the weekend if I was doing uh, my part, right? Yeah, a a reminder. I don't want to talk to you. No, that's absolutely, not what it is. Hey, and there are some vacations that if I'm up at 7 o'clock, I'll be glad to talk to you and give you a report from on location. Exactly. There you go. Speaking of reports, let's just dive right in. I was going to I was gonna hit you with baseball first just to get it out sure. of the way, but I'm not going to hit you with baseball first. I wanted to go ahead and hit you with what took place this weekend, which is still taking place to this day, because everything from an athletic director at Auburn University to uh, Brian Harson and the showing that took place in the second half again of a football game, and then that whatever press conference that was afterwards. I texted you last night. This by far was one of the worst press conferences I've ever seen out of any coach to come through Auburn. <laughs> I tell you what, you've nailed that. I, I, when you start seeing people that have typically been supportive of keeping him throughout the rest of the year, at least certain beat writers, certain mm-hmm. moderators from websites, finally just say it's time. That came out of that press conference, came out of that press conference and started tweeting and writing messages and putting things out there and articles on their perspective um, websites, Auburn websites. That it's just time to put, rip the bandaid off. And, and that's where I've been, as you know, since the LSU game. And, right. And with me being on the on, on the Locked On uh, Auburn podcast on Sundays and doing some stuff, you know, there's some difference of opinion. I just feel like um, for every moment that he's on the sidelines, he can keep doing irreparable damage to the program, meaning less revenue as far as people showing up to games, empty stadiums, alienating some of the boosters and some of the fans. Um, there is just it is so frustrating week after week after week to sit through and watch that kind of football being played. It's, it's painful. And you want to just, you want to extract the abscess tooth. Just let's go. And, and I'm going to take this a little bit further. The press conference was a very, very indicative of my opinion as to where Brian Harson's, um, attitude is towards Auburn. Very, right. very, uh, defensive towards, towards, now look. Some of them came at him pretty hard early on, and, 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 I, and, I, and I then thought that was petty and just personal with some of these reporters that went after him about certain aspects of his life, uh, vaccination status, certain different things. They, he got put up against the wall really early on with some of the reporters and their attitudes towards him. He's gone way past that now. It is vindictive, not truthful in some of his responses, or, or less than stellar and, and less than honest with some of the things. That he, that he says back, 
and it's very, you know, confrontational, and it's just not its not a good look. And so um, when you get to that point and then you see or hear some things that are happening behind the scenes with red-shirting players and trying to put players in games that um, – it would burn their red shirt and you're down a minute and 11, you're down with a minute and 11 to go in the game by 18 and you ain't going to win and you're just going to go ahead and throw somebody in there that could burn their red shirt. All right. that stuff is damaging, in my opinion, to the program and to kids' careers. And I don't think you want, you, you cannot allow that to keep happening. You got to get that off the sidelines. You know, and it's funny because there were a lot of people over the weekend that were talking about Gus this and Gus that. And then I saw a statistic, and I don't, I'm not sure if the numbers are exactly correct because I haven't uh, run them myself. Auburn is 36 and 35 in the Southeastern Conference since the 2013 season. I saw that same stat. Blew my mind. Blew and, my mind. Now, a lot of that's because Harson absolutely tanked the last two years in the SEC. So, I mean, at least when Gus left, I think we had – what, nine, ten games over 500? The last two years have really cut into that number, right? I mean, but still, out of 35 losses, he owns nine of them. The rest of them still are – Gus still has 20-plus. Like, it's yeah. – you know, when people go, you shouldn't have fired Gus. I'm like, no, there was a change needed then. There's a change Absolutely. needed now. And remember, 2014 was a pretty stinking good year for Auburn, too. I mean, they got right. to, the, to week eight when the uh, playoff rankings were – were uh, announced and they were in the playoffs. It just felt they beat Ole Miss on the road, and then it just started falling apart a little bit late down the stretch. But they had Alabama beat. If they couldn't get, you know, they gave up fifty-five points. Mm. If they had just a a sorry defense and not the worst defense that I've seen in a long time, they they win that game. They, you know, so they they had a chance that year to win ten games. I mean, they were on pace to win ten right. games and be ranked in the top five. So. Uh, after that, 2015-16, lean years, remember? I mean, that's yep. when the quarterback shuffle started happening. And then the Stidham year, 17, was the rebirth. And because of that rebirth, it might have been one of the worst things that ever happened to Auburn football because the contract came behind it. Seven years, seven million. And that's it started with Stephen Lee. And mm-hmm. where we are now with the ineptitude and some of the decisions being made that are head-scratchers or lack of decisions being made, and then not being able to pull the plug and division and not consulting with certain key coaches and boosters about a hire and going rogue, even in this latest athletic director debacle. Oh, my goodness. All that started, in my opinion, with Lease and just has trickled down. And that's why Auburn has got to get out of this dark, dark tunnel that they're in and just start seeing some light. Now, not all sports are... Obviously, there's a lot. I mean, baseball, basketball, gymnastics. There's other aspects that has been like a shining beacon the last few years. But football drives the train, my friend. And, and, and I just think it starts with this AD hire, and then it goes to the coaching, the head coaching hire it, it, for football. And it has to, to, to turn that trend that you're talking about, which is a phenomenal stat, to get that trend back to where, look, at Auburn, I think the expectation is you want to be 10, 15 games over 500 in the SEC. Mm-hmm in a 10-year span, right? And that's kind of what we're looking at. We're at nine years now, 10 years, it'll be 10 years next year, that that, that that era of Auburn football. And I would, it'd be interesting to, it would be interesting to me to compare it, and I might do this when I get off the phone because I'm a dork and you've got me thinking about it now. <laughs> it'd be interesting to see the previous decade, the previous 10 years under Tuberville and Chiswick, what that SEC record looked like. You know? Yeah. It'd be how, how much more over 500 they are. I, 
I, I would imagine it was appreciably high because you had a perfect, you had a couple perfect seasons in there. So, you know, well, hey. I want to say this too. There's, there's this narrative that I'm really getting tired of of people talking about, well, why would this coach leave this particular school to come to Auburn? Why would they leave here to go to Auburn? Why? I'm just throwing it out there. Why would they leave Old Miss? Why would they leave this place? Why? Okay. Well, it's pretty simple. What people don't understand is since since 1981, including Harson, Auburn has hired six football coaches. Exactly. Five of those six have either won a national championship, played for a national championship, had perfect seasons, or any of the coaches that didn't accomplish those three things have won multiple SEC championships like Pat Dye and been in a position in 83 to win a national championship. Mm. That is amazing that with five coaches – all those things have been accomplished. Harson's the only one in his you know short tenure here that hasn't had the opportunity to accomplish any of those goals. Bowden had a perfect season. Tuberville had a perfect season. Malzahn won an SEC championship, played for a title. Chiswick did both, won in that match a natty, and played uh, you know won an SEC, and then died, won multiple SEC championships, like I said, and never had a perfect season. But it was the pre-BCS playoffs, so that game against Michigan was a de facto playoff game, if you think about it, right? Correct. I mean, yep. there was like a Final Four scenario, and Auburn bumped up to three at the end of the day. So, look, you can do that with five different coaches, a couple of those coaches coming from Group of Five programs and FCS programs and Sanford with Bowden. Mm-hmm. I think that that's what you're selling. And, and, and don't underset, don't sell Auburn short, but they've got to get their ducks in order and get their house in order and start getting some unity and being on the same page. You know, you, you touched on it just a minute ago, uh, Daryl, with the, uh, um, the, the athletic director. Cohen's name got released over the weekend. That seemed to gain some legs. And then all of a sudden, um, the legs were chopped out from underneath just because some people were not happy about it. So it looks like they're maybe walking that back a little bit. My question is, why has nobody reached out to Scott Strickland at the University of Florida? Because I think, um, I agree. I mean, I, I always think my, my approach to life, including asking my wife on her first date, is you always have no in your back pocket. Right. So, I mean, what's the, what, what is it going to hurt to ask or to aim big? Now, I get, I get it. Florida is one of those athletic programs that is, you know, you wouldn't want to leave a job for or that kind of thing. But, and Scott Strickland's a really good athletic director. I really think highly of him. But I don't understand. I get the whole, okay, it's time to to go ahead and look for a Power 5 candidate because the other two or three that have been mentioned uh, were a group of five. Um, I'm trying to wrap my head around knowing that you're doing this since late August, having a search committee called Turnkey out of New Jersey who's supposed to be the final ones to do background trip checks and conduct on, on campus. Well, they have missed on that lately. They have. And so, I mean, you, you know, and look, the people that were announcing Cohen, Cohen Saturday, Bruce Feldman of the Athletic, Pete Thamel, there were a lot of guys that were national guys that said it's an announcement. So the pushback has come, as you know, I'm not breaking any story here, from powerful boosters and coaches that weren't consultants. Consulted. I'm not going to name names, but you can connect the dots. Right. People that have even worked with John Cohen. Okay. So that's just if Robert, Chris, if President Robert, President Roberts, if the if 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 the report is correct, and he went rogue on this and didn't speak to certain coaches and all that, I, 
again, that you're getting right back to what you tried to leave two or three years ago. I mean, do things differently. And, and Scott Strickland, other guys like that, I think I, this is what I would do. I would go and look at big tw- – and this is what a stinking search committee is for, and they've had this opportunity since August to do it. I would look at a, a, a school in the Pac-10, any school in the Pac-10, that's had a successful football program, that's had successful budgets, that's done well with facilities, and I would go try to poach that dude since that's a Power 5 school and the Pac-12 is up in the air of what their conference is going to do. Yeah, a no. Washington or an Oregon or a, you know, a school that's got, you know, some, some, some good Utah that's done some good things from an athletic standpoint. Go get their athletic director who said, I don't know. I don't want to be somewhere where I don't know the future is so uncertain. And I, that's what happened with, you know, Greg Byrne left Arizona and went to Alabama and mm-hmm. he was a phenomenal athlete. From Mississippi State, Mississippi State, Arizona, Alabama. That was the other thing that tickled me. A lot of Mississippi State fans saying, why would he ever want to leave Mississippi State? Well, why did Byrne leave? Why did Strickland leave? There's a pattern, <laughs> right? There is I a mean, pattern, yeah. There's a pattern. So that's what I would do. I'd go Pac-10 or Pac-12, Big 12, and find somebody that's a Power 5 stud in that particular conference that might be looking to get out because of the instability of their conference. That's had a successful athletic program, but it's also got to be a good fit with values and visions and certain things like that, with maybe the way you know life views, world views, that kind of thing. Out west, some things you know that you just got to take that all in consideration. But I would have been banging down doors of people that were successful in another conference that might be a little bit shaky where they're going to be. Right, and, and and that's why, and and even though he's not another conference, the reason I say Strickland is his Auburn ties, of course, when he was a sports information director here. Uh, number two is that Auburn can pay him the same amount of money, and he's got less responsibility here uh, than he does. I mean, Florida, Florida's got yeah. 150 sports that he has to watch over, and and, right. and, and Auburn doesn't have that, and and uh, and so. It, with the connections that he has and that kind of thing, but I, it, you know they keep saying, you, you know, you heard the coach or the the coach speak, or when they were looking at, or they're still looking at coaches, but they always say, you know, I make Lane tell me no. Well, make Scott Strickland tell you no. You know, there's there are two people, yeah, I, or or like you just said, go to a a, a up and coming uh, uh, Pac-10 or, or or even Big Ten. It, it, I don't, I, I I'm even okay with that. Go to one of their athletic directors and make them tell you no. Because yes, make somebody tell you no. Auburn. Yep. What people forget is Auburn can pay what all these other people pay, and with some of these larger schools, the Ohio States of the world, the the Floridas of the world, these people that have, as I said, I'm I'm, I'm exaggerating when I said 150 sports, but seriously, when a guy can come here and do the same job with less responsibility and make the same, if not more, money and have an opportunity to play for national championships because, let's just face it, equestrian, gymnastics just signed two five-stars and three four-stars. I mean, that's that's like a football team signing 22 five-stars on, mm-hmm. on a gymnastics team. And basketball, what it is, baseball, what it is, I know everybody focuses on football, but if you're going to be an athletic director, this is by far, and I'm, this is not the orange and blue, orange and blue glasses talking to you. This is an opportunity for somebody to come here and be very successful. A great point. And here's the other thing that you're not taking that people don't take into quality of life. 
Yes. Quality of life of where you're living. Albert Opelika is phenomenal. And all people have to do is go and how it's growing. I think there's some ACC schools that would be nice to look at, too, because that's kind of looked at as another, you know, SEC light, right? There's there's great academic programs. But there's some phenomenal cities to live in. And, you know, there's Chapel Hill and some of those places in ACC territory, Boca Raton. those Those are nice areas to live. But when you go Big Ten, Big Twelve, I'm not being ugly when I say this, but Waco, Lubbock, hmm, just doesn't have the same ring to it. And the loveliest village on the plains and coming here, and some of the Big Ten schools that you know, mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it, Rutgers. I mean, I mean, who wants uh, to live in Madison? I mean, come no, on. exactly. Or, or even, I mean, if you're a big city dude, Chicago's got to draw. Right. You don't want to live in Bloomington. You don't want to live in Champaign. You know, I mean. College Park. There's some, there's some there's some leverage there, like you said, to go some people and say I can pay you the same. You're an upgrade as far as if you're coming from the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve mm-hmm. and even the ACC from a from a competitive standpoint. Um, and, and you also have this quality of life of where you're living. And it's amazing to me what, what you just said. A little nugget you dropped: the gymnastics program is out recruiting our football team in the way of four stars and five stars. I, if you'd have told me that five years ago, so I don't know, get that dude on the staff. Whoever's recruiting these gymnasts, get him on Auburn staff, football staff. Right. He can bring in the mail. He can haul in the mail. Apparently, he's getting the equivalent of the you know superstar, five star, five star number three player in the country from the gymnastics standpoint. Get him on the book. Let him do a recruiting visit. He won't miss a recruiting dinner. <laughs> Nope, and we'll be more than happy to sit down with coaches and try to steer them in this direction. So it's yes. it's uh, it's it's one of those deals where it's uh, it's crazy what all took place this past weekend. Uh, Daryl, as always, I appreciate your time on a Monday. I know you you take time out of your day, and of course uh, you've got the the recap that you do with Zach on on Locked On on Sunday. So uh, as as you said, if anybody gets an opportunity to go listen to that, uh, Daryl and I were texting last night. Please do so. Uh, you'll you'll hear a lot of this and more. In, in more detail uh, of the Locked On podcast that he, he did with Zach Blackerby. And, of course, we'll have Zach on uh, tomorrow and on Friday here on the show. So, uh, Darryl, I love doing this, man. I really do. I look forward to this every Monday morning. It's a great week, a way, great way to start off my week. So thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem. Absolutely. Daryl, thank you as always, my man. Take care, man. You got it. Double D Mondays. Daryl Dapperts joins me on the WA and a hotline. The Positive Thought with Dr. George Matheson. That is coming up next on your News Talk and Information Station. Pushing the Auburn Opelika first agenda. News Talk,